Thanks for joining us on By the Heart. I'm Alex. And I'm Sean. We believe that every great story is full of gospel themes. Together we examine our favorite movies while looking at the gospel themes of characters and some of their best quotes. Also, we look at the times that made us laugh, think, and cry. And we'll let you know when to go pee so you don't miss anything good. Glad that you're on the journey with us. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the debt that we all owe due to our sin. By faith alone, only by the work Jesus has already done, can one find salvation in the fullness of life. Welcome back to By the Heart. Today we have a guest who's been with us before. Welcome back, Titch. Hey, Titch. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, Titch? You know, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. Ooh, now we have to definitely put this out on a Monday because you just told everybody it's Monday. Well, you can put it out on a Tuesday and say we recorded on a Monday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. Our movie of the day, <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook. But first, Sean, Titch, what are your favorite movies that aren't good? <laughs> and we know they're not good. This one's pretty easy for me. Every time it's on TV, I have to watch Sahara. Sahara. Is Matthew that... McConaughey, Rain Wilson. Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. <laughs> Penelope Cruz. This is the movie with Steve Zahn where he has normalized or cross-eyed. <laughs> He's normal in this <laughs> what one. What movie does he have cross-eyed? So one of those bad Adam Sandler movies. Oh, man. Steve Zahn's great. Is that the only one? Uh, I, you could throw in uh, I Am Number Four. I love that movie. It's such an easy watch. Maybe Jumper. They're all just kind of fun, easy movies to watch with bad action. That's that are just fun. Mine is called Wild America. <laughs> I actually have two. Wild America is so bad, but it was a movie that I watched growing up where three brothers set out west to uh, find amazing wildlife. And it has Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I thought it was great. And then I watched it with one of my buddies and one of my mentors. And they laughed at me the entire movie. <laughs> my others are both national treasures. Mm. Number one and number two. They're both terribly great. Terribly great. Love Nick Cage. Actually, a lot of Nick Cage movies I love, and they're all bad. The Wicker Man is so bad and worth it. Maybe Con Air. Con Air? Con Air. I would love to watch Con Air right Titch, now. Titch, what do you think? I mean, National Treasure throws me off because John Voight is a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I always think he should be evil. I always just picture him in Anaconda as the bad guy. Also, Varsity yeah. Blues. Isn't he the bad guy in Varsity Blues? He's the coach, He's right? the coach. Hey, let's terrible. go, let's go! Yeah, the yeah. coach is always the bad guy. It's like, oh, running back hurt his knee? Let's put some uh, illegal substances in his knee so he's good to go <laughs> for the second half. My favorite um, Varsity Blues moment is when it's played in the office when Michael has Movie Monday. And you only see the scene where he goes, let's go, let's go! <laughs> Do you have any John Voight impersonation, Stitch? Uh, I really don't. <laughs> if we had just watched Anaconda, I think we yeah. had at least Get, a few from all of us. Let me watch Anaconda twice and come back to me on that one. Anaconda or Anacondas? Which one's better? Wait, there's a, there's two different movies? Yes, there's a movie called Anaconda and then a movie called Anacondas. I have no idea. Is there multiple Anacondas and Anaconda? Anacondas. I think, <laughs> I think there's five Anacondas. Oh my goodness. Are Ice Cube and J-Lo in Anacondas? I don't remember, but um, I, after this conversation, I kind of think that Anaconda is a cool name for your daughter. Anaconda. Anna for short. <laughs> you know when you say a word so many times that it sounds good? Anaconda. I like it. Hey, Anaconda. 
Better than Python, for sure. Yeah. Ooh. All right, our movie of the day. <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook, written and directed by David O. Russell. After a stint in a mental institution, former teacher, Pat, moves back in with his parents and tries to reconcile with his ex-wife. Things get more challenging when Pat meets Tiffany, a mysterious girl with problems of her own. I want to say this right out of the gate. This movie is definitely an adult movie. Yep. If you haven't seen it, I wouldn't recommend watching this with your kids. Um, it's got more cuss words than I'd probably like in a movie. But it is a great picture into marriage, into mental illness, into instability, and what a lot of people deal with, with a, um, in a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah, I think trauma plays a lot into that. Yeah. This is one of those movies where if you are sheltered or about your own little bubble, you would probably feel really disconnected from this because you might have never experienced this or seen it or know anything about it. But this is pretty much uh, the experience of a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of movies are like, that doesn't seem like real life. One thing that stood out watching this was, man, this feels real. Everything about this movie feels real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the story is that. The, the plot is very plausible. Like we see this happen, we see these things happen to people on a daily basis. Yeah, people yeah. have ruined relationships. People have pain and hurt, and we see that. And you see that in this. And yeah, people can can have a good grip on this. So, what are some of your guys' first impressions? My first impression is that Bradley Cooper is amazing at this role. He's gripping from the very beginning. So gripping. I love Bradley Cooper. And because Bradley Cooper is so good in this, and he's, he's kind of like wears a trash bag the whole time, it reminds me of all the other great Bradley Cooper movies. And I think in 95% of Bradley Cooper movies, Bradley Cooper is one of the best-looking men of all time. Yeah, well, you know on this pod we like to talk about how good-looking guys are. Bradley Cooper. Okay, <laughs> what is the first movie you watch where you're like, whoa, Bradley Cooper, that guy's good-looking. Uh, all, all of them? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, yeah. My go, my definitive list of best-looking Bradley Cooper movies: Wedding Crashers, Guardians of the Galaxy One, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Two, Avengers. So when he's a raccoon. Yep. Oh yeah, I love raccoons. <laughs> raccoon Bradley Cooper, here to save the day. And one of my first impressions too is just how well written the movie is. I, this is a dialogue movie. If you, if you just kind of like a plot that moves along really quickly. You might not like this movie, but uh, I don't know. I, I didn't write dialogue for this speech. Um, <laughs> I, I wish David O. Russell would write my, my podcast dialogue. <laughs> no, the, the dialogue in the movie is incredible. Yeah. It's really, really well written. I like, <laughs> I like to think that he lost his train of thought while writing this movie, too. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure I'm at some sure. point he did. Hopefully not when he was presenting it. Titch, you said that the plot really didn't matter. And I think that you're right about that. I mean, it does matter, but it's not as interesting as the dialogue. Yeah. For sure. So we have our gospel theme moments. And before we get into the specifics, I think that nobody is stable in this entire movie. No. Pat is unstable. Tiffany is mentally unstable. Pat Sr. is mentally unstable. Ronnie and Veronica's marriage is unstable. And even Pat's brother, who has everything together, is pretty unstable, too. Yep. And with that being said, I, 
I just want to say that stability comes when you rely on Christ and not on yourself. 2 Samuel 22:32 For who is God besides the Lord and who is a rock besides our God? Psalm 62:2 He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. And when we rely on ourselves, I think it History and most of our own experiences show us that we end up in anxious shambles. But when we trust in the rock, who is Jesus, we cannot be greatly shaken. And I think that is a major theme here in this movie, that when you're trusting yourself and you're trusting in your own little idiosyncrasies to get through your anxiety or tribulation, you're going to end up in shambles. When you trust in the rock that is Jesus, you don't trust in yourself, so you're trusting in something much stronger than you, a stronghold, one where you will not be shaken. So let's move into our characters. We have Pat, played by Bradley Cooper, Tiffany, played by Jennifer Lawrence, Pat Sr., played by Robert De Niro, and Ronnie and Veronica, who are a pretty important couple in the movie. Mm-hmm. So Pat, played by Bradley Cooper, who we know is best looking as a raccoon. <laughs> Pat had an, has an undiagnosed bipolar disease, which leads him to beating up a guy who his wife is cheating on him with. And now he is in this kind of on the very beginning upward trajectory of his downward sp- spiral. He's dealing with the worst trial of his life. And he's working his way out by living, by positivity, and by getting things that he needs. So what are some of your guys' gospel themes with Pat here? I just thought that he was de- he's defining his life by his mental issue that he knows about now and the trial that comes from it, the trauma that he's working through, through um, his wife cheating on him, which is obviously a traumatic experience for anybody. Um, he's defining his life by it, and mm-hmm. that is what he is now. He is his mental illness. He is his setback with his relationship. That's what it is. He has no idea how to get through this. He's just hoping positive thoughts will get through it. Yeah, he says throughout the movie, he says Excelsior, and it's this idea that he can find silver linings and he can live positively. And if he lives in those in, in that way, he's no longer going to feel pain. He's no gonna, longer going to feel struggle. His wife's going to take him back. He's putting all of his stock into pretty shaky ground. Yeah. And... We see throughout the whole movie, the only thing that actually releases him from this tribulation is a love relationship. And it is um, a second tier love relationship. It's not the love relationship that you must have with Christ for true freedom. But the reason that it does feel like freedom for him is because in God's common grace, a love relationship with another person is one of the closest things that you can have to what we were meant to be in loving relationship. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I took away, especially from Pat, is even from the beginning of the movie, when you kind of know he doesn't have it all figured out, Pat thinks he's got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he lost a bunch of weight. He's doing better mentally. He thinks he's going to meet Nikki again, his wife, and they're going to fall back in love. And he doesn't actually start improving until he realizes his flaws, which as Christians, we know that, um, you know, we're not going to get better until we realize the sin in our life and we confess that to God. 
otherwise we're we're going to be lost mm. no matter what kind of vice that we throw our life to yeah it's going to keep us we're going to be still stuck and enslaved by sin just maybe different sin mm-hmm. next we have tiffany played by jennifer lawrence tiffany has had a husband who's died and she's in her own mental instability we see throughout the movie that tiffany has tried to solve her own tragedy by sleeping with every guy she could which is a fruitless way to solve your problems. Yeah, I think we all know people who turn to different things, and it doesn't matter what it is. Um, there are many things that will hit the pleasure part of your brain, and sex was created to be a good thing between um, a husband and a wife. And we have things also like drugs. We also have things like alcohol that are supposed to be enjoyed uh, properly and used properly for medication, whatever they may be, but they might grip you and hold a vice on you, and that's what this is. She's trying to find satisfaction through sleeping with somebody else, through that temporary satisfaction of sleeping with other people. And you can, she's admitted it in hundreds of ways that she's not okay. It's not working at all. Mm. I think that's a great place to stop talking about Tiffany. Yeah. She can't be satisfied in her own vice. So we've got Pat Sr., played by Robert De Niro. Um, before we talk about that, do you guys have a good Robert De Niro impression? <laughs> I've got one. You talking to me? You talking to me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> what you got, Sean? You talking to me? <laughs> I don't know. I, okay. felt, I was a little hesitant on that. <laughs> Sean wins. I think it's go- the winner goes to Sean. Okay. Uh, and the second thing I want to say about Robert De Niro is as an old guy, for being a top five actor of all time, he's been in some real terrible movies. Oh my gosh, yeah. Old Robert De Niro did not pick them well. I'm going to read some of the movies that Robert De Niro's done in the last ten years. The Comedian. I've never even heard of that. Hands of Stone. That's a movie? (laughs) Yeah. Dirty Grandpa. (laughs) With uh, uh, Zach Zach Efron. I watched 20 minutes of it. It was so bad. He was in a movie called Heist, and he played the Pope. Whatever that means. <laughs> he was in a movie called The Bagman. And my all-time personal favorite, worst Robert De Niro old man movie, Grudge Match. Grudge Match. <laughs> he plays a boxer who has a grudge match against Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Is Kevin Hart in that? Who somehow isn't Rocky. Yeah, he's just reason, Sylvester he's Stallone. He's not, not Rocky. Rocky. No. I don't Wait, know is he Sylvester Stallone? No, he, plays, he doesn't play Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> he plays a guy named Henry Razor Shark. Oh, his wait, nickname as a boxer is Razor Sharp. Oh, man. I like it. Robert De Niro plays Billy the Kid McDonough. Of course he's the kid. Kevin Hart is in that. Wait, so on the back of his robe, it just says Razor? I think so. Yeah. Wait, no, wait. Is his last name Sharp? His last his name's last Sharp. Name's Sharp. So does he go by Razor Sharp or just Razor? I would go by Razor. Yeah. Wait, wait, what was his first name? Henry. He yeah, probably so it's like Hank. Hank. Next yeah. in the ring, Henry Razor. Sharp. There's big pauses. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, Robert De Niro made some bad movies in his old age. Terrible movies. What do you think he did to get in so much debt to make all these bad movies? <laughs> do you think he was like Nick Cage? Like Nick Cage bought an island and then was like, oh, I don't have any money. I Let's go he, make uh, more bad Con Airs. I think he probably bought every Oldsmobile he could find. <laughs> I think he really <laughs> enjoys trying to make people laugh because he had a pretty good comedy run with the meet the parents and oh meet the parents is uh, so good that might be it but i think it's <laughs> like, like oh making people laugh is fun that's a good run yes and, and then he started making bad grandpa 
The heist. <laughs> he wasn't bad grandpa. Wait, was that bad? Yeah, dirty grandpa. Uh, dirty grandpa. Bad grandpa was Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all grandpas. Yeah. yeah. Too many grandpa movies. All inappropriate. So we have Pat Sr., who has got his own mental ins- instability. He is not living in freedom. He's definitely an obsessive gambler. Yeah, and he, you can see he holds the weight of his entire family. He's supposed to provide for his wife, who's his wife's role in this seems to be to provide uh, emotion and affection for the family. He's trying to figure out what's going on with his son, and he's his son's getting up at 4 a.m. and ranting to them about random various things and Ernest Hemingway, and so you can see him holding that weight. Yeah. He also bets on his favorite team, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a great way to show that you are an obsessive, instable, unstable gambler. Unstable, yes. Uh, if you're betting on your own team, not a good way to go. No. Yeah, and his gospel theme moment, to me, is that after an hour 50 of this movie, some things had to go right for him. For, for sure. sure, yes. But he finally sh- shows Pat affection that Pat needed. Yeah. An affection that um, made Pat make a life-altering decision where he would press in and decide to go after Tiffany. I think the big thing, too, there was nothing on the line for for Pat Sr., where earlier in the movie it's, I need you to do this for me, son, because I need the Eagles to win, because I need this. This was just like, you need to go do this because this woman loves you. Mm -hmm. Go get her. And so it was. you could see the, the change in Pat Jr. as he sees his father doesn't have something. It's not conditional. Yeah. He's got an unconditional love, which we know is a love that only comes from God. Yeah. Our last character study, we have Ronnie and Veronica, who is a married couple that Pat uh, is really good friends with. And Tiffany is Veronica's younger sister. Ronnie and Veronica try to set Pat and Tiffany up early on in the movie. And you, there's a scene where they go to have dinner at their house. And you learn pretty much right away that Ronnie and Veronica have a terrible marriage. They've had, they have material, they've got a good house, they have a, a gadget where every room has a station where you can put your iPod and you can play music. What year did we guess this was filmed in? Does it say? Well, the movie is... Not filmed in, but what, what does it take place? I mean, it was Deshaun Jackson's rookie year, so... Antoine Randall L. was mentioned, so... Playing from the Redskins. Playing for the Redskins, so... 2004? Yeah, probably Five, around there. Somewhere around there, yeah. So, so that's pretty cool at that point in time. I think there was a fireplace that turned on by a remote. Yeah. Which in the mid 2000s, that's the way to go. Rich oh, people had did. that. Or did she light it? I don't know. Either way, it was a fireplace in the wall. It like, was it's not a fireplace. It's just like imagine like a, a TV mounted on the wall, but instead it's a fireplace. Cool. And it induced heat. Yes. So it worked. It wasn't, not, uh, Pat and Tiffany weren't very impressed by it. It was actually really funny to watch. So they've got material, and uh, they've had a they have a baby, and both of these things haven't solved their disconnect as a married couple. Yeah. It's pretty clear that they are disconnected, and they won't be able to solve it by themselves. Yeah, Pat is this guy who uh, his relationship completely fell apart. His marriage is in shambles, and uh, who, who's the guy we're talking about? Ronnie. Ronnie. Ronnie? Yeah. Ronnie's going to Pat for marriage advice. Yeah. Which seems like a bad idea. The week he gets out of the mental hospital. Yeah. He's looking for advice. (laughs) He hasn't seen him in over eight months. And he's like, sorry, I 
didn't come see you, you know, just everything. By the way, really need to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, crazy guy. What do you think about my marriage? <laughs> Which shows that if you are disconnected in your marriage, buying more things or having children are never good problem solvers. No. Yeah. You have to seek counsel from those who love you and seek counsel from the wonderful counselor who is our Lord, who is a rock. And there's no one like him. Um, you have to actually address your issues. Yeah. A lot of people just don't talk to their spouses about things that, even small things that might annoy them, that build on top of each other and end up causing bigger problems down the road. Yeah. Which I think is pretty clear. Yeah, that's one of the things that's happening between Ronnie and Veronica. Hmm. Those conversations are really hard to have, and sometimes people just brush them under the rug or put a bandaid on them and don't actually fix those those issues. Yeah, and they they build up, and you see them build up in these two with these two characters. Mm-hmm. All right, our second category: time to pee. Moment in the movie when you have to go to the bathroom and you've got a few minutes to go. Titch, what'd you think? I think any time between the bet. And the dance off at the end, it's also a convenient time because I actually did have to pee. <laughs> and when you watch a movie, you're like, usually at about an hour 20, you're like, oh man, I should have gone before, you know, that sort of thing. That actually happened to me during the rewatch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't feel like I missed anything. <laughs> so you have no idea if you missed something or not. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is I don't remember what happened either so you probably did oh, good perfect time. time perfect time to go pee <laughs> Al what do you think I think my time to go pee is when they rehearse their dancing throughout the movie except for the one time when Chris Tucker shows up all the other times are just kind of like I don't know yeah. just way to add filler Chris Tucker by the way <laughs> when do we see, when have, what happened to him I don't know <laughs> we didn't see him since rush hour or yeah. every NBA all-star game and then we see him here and Chris Tucker got fat and then got lost weight for Silver Lines Playbook. Oh, wow. I didn't wow. know that. You Good for seen, him. Never seen fat Chris Tucker? No. Okay. I'll Not show fat. you. Google later. I will Google fat Chris Tucker. Right now or later? Later. Okay. I don't think I really had a time to pee, but I guess the dancing, the hard part about the dancing scenes, while I do agree that it was a good time to pee, is that at the beginning of them, she's constantly having, oh, wow, Chris Tucker was fat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. Um, I, I would. I would say yeah, go ahead and Google Chris Tucker fat because that was wow. I did not expect that. Um, but Which, I just want to say it's fine. Everyone is beautiful. <laughs> I'm fat. All right. Back to time to pee. The beginning of the dancing scenes. There's this leverage of you have to do this dancing with me. I'll get these letters to Nikki. And so I think that's important, but after that, it's more about just them building chemistry, and you don't miss a whole lot. Yeah. So I agree. Should be noted, none of us are dancers. That so is that, that should not be noted. I practice dancing with my right. fiance. Forget I, I said Al loves to dance. Dancing Forget I said anything. You're not a dancer. Cut this out, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian! By the heart. Still not sponsored. Category number three. These are our gospel quotes. These are the quotes that remind us of our desperate need for our Lord. All right, Sean, what are your gospel quotes? There's a moment in the movie when Pat and Tiffany are arguing, and they're both pretty emotional trying to figure out one another. 
And Tiffany says to Pat, I opened up to you and you judged me. And from there, like what we can see and what we know about relationships is when we enter them, we're trying to see how much we can trust someone and how and or what we're going to be judged for. And we all have insecurities. That could be something we did or didn't do or experiences we don't have uh, that we're going to be judged for. Um, and we're looking for that. And, and it hurts when someone reacts to our vulnerability that isn't understanding and accepting um, or comforting. It's really hard. Um, mm -hmm. It reminds me of this Tim Keller quote. Uh, Tim Keller says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And I think that's, that's, all, that's what we're all searching for. We want to be fully known and loved and not have to worry about the insecurities that we have with someone else. And it's so hard. And you can see Jennifer Lawrence here as Tiffany is, is expressing, I let you know me and you judge me. And, I, and it hurts that I'm being judged by this. And that's why the marriage, the love that comes in marriage is supposed to be the second most important love that you have. That should be the relationship where you are fully known or as much as you can be and fully loved, where you won't be judged for all the things that you do because God fully knows us and he fully loves us. Mm -hmm. That's such a, I didn't realize that he said to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. That yeah. is, yeah. Whoa. And that's why we hold so much back from people. We're scared to ask questions. We're scared to reveal things about us because we don't know if they will love us mm. or they don't know if they'll accept or understand us after that. It's hard. Yeah, I think that's a great piggyback. Uh, or mine would be a good piggyback into that, which my quote is, Pat says, the world will break you 10 ways to someday. That's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true about life. This whole movie is about the relationship between instability and solving the issue that comes from that. And he sees even that's the, that's the last quote of the movie is that the world will break you 10 ways to Sunday. That's guaranteed. If you're trusting in the world to satisfy or to problem solve for you, it will break you. And that's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. You have to trust in the rock. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you see that even in this movie. I would never want to see a sequel to this movie because five <laughs> years from now, you know, all these people, their lives are going to be in shambles. Like you kind of get that from this movie, even though it has a, a happy ending. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen to Tiffany and and uh, Pat and Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany and Pat. That, I knew their names the whole time. <laughs> um, it just shows how temporary temporary love is in the world and without god's guidance you're just going to fall into the same old things like love without god's example of love is so much more shallow mm -hmm. than what we know as christians that's so good all right our jimmy v moments our fourth category moments that made you laugh moments that made you think moments that made you cry if you laugh and you think and you cry every day you will not bet on the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I don't know if our, if my Jimmy V impersonation has gotten better or worse. It's gotten so much worse. <laughs> it got worse <laughs> during your impressions. <laughs> By the end, I was like, who is that? Oh, uh, uh, Rutgers basketball. 
Sean, <laughs> what was uh, what was your laugh? My laugh is at the beginning of the movie. Pat goes to the library to pick up the books from the the syllabus that his wife has for her her class, which is so creepy. Like, come on, man! Like, like he can't figure out that she does not want anything to do with him. Um, so he goes and he picks up these books, and it's it's late. He's up in his room, which is up in the attic, and he finishes this book by Ernest Hemingway, and he. Th- just throws it out the window, breaks the glass, and it lands on the front porch. Oh, it's so funny. And then he goes into his parents' room and is complaining to them at 4 a.m. And then goes back. He's like, I forget what he says, but he said, I'll apologize later or something like that. And Robert De Niro says, yeah, apologize to Ernest Hemingway. Earning him, I can't say his name. Ernest Hemingway for us, too. Oh, it's such a good scene. That That's the move part in the movie theater. Where I think I was like crying or laughing so hard that tears came out of my eyes and my eyes were shut. You know when you laugh so hard that you can't have your eyes open? (laughs) That was that moment for me. My laugh is when Ronnie is talking to Pat when he's asking him. He's talking to him about marriage advice, which he shouldn't be getting from Pat. And he tells him, I go into my garage and I put on Metallica. And Megadeth. And <laughs> his face he makes is so good. <laughs> and then he says, I break stuff and it hurts my hand, but it makes me feel better. Which it is really funny. It is also sad because it shows that him and his wife have severe marriage problems. Yeah. yeah. But this is the moment to laugh. So it's very funny. <laughs> it's definitely funny. Yeah. Titch? I think this movie's funny almost all the way through, even though it's about so many serious, kind of sad things. But there's this one point. I think it's the introduction to pat's brother and he's going through like all the good things that are happening in his life and and he kind of realizes as he's talking to pat he's like oh man i shouldn't be saying this stuff and robert de niro chimes in he's like hey stop talking about all the stuff that's good for you and bad for him <laughs> yeah. like you could the whole room can see this this conversation is yeah. not going well yeah no like there are other people in the room and they're obviously it's very awkward and de niro just uh Pat Sr. in the movie just had to say that to, to break the tension. Otherwise, it seemed like there was going to be a fight or something. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's a great scene. All right. What about your guys' think? My moment to think, I don't know if there was a specific moment in the movie, but I think when I watched this, initially, what year did this come out? I don't remember. Um, but I think it was uh, 2012. So this is before the big push for mental health um, uh I guess just awareness, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of that. I'm someone who I went to mental health CPR. I have that on uh, on my resume, or I have that uh, qualification from work. Uh, I didn't. I would never even guess that was a thing in 2012. So, anyway, the point is, my think is how close so many people are being are close to being in a mental state like Pat and Tiffany, and a lot of people would be would say, no, I'm nowhere near there, but. Man, you have these people who had life there, and this was their reality. And then it gets railroaded by by death for Tiffany, by betrayal for Pat, mm. and it could come through anything—through an accident, through pain, through um, numerous things. It's, there's an infinite amount of things that can cause this pain. And if you're not completely fixed on Christ as as your where your affection completely is, then life is more than likely going to let you down, and it's going to be extremely hard to get through that without Christ if you're not if your affection is not completely fixed on Him. Well, my think is that it is, it's a movie that touches on mental illness, and I can't say it any better than that. Titch, do you have any thinks? Yeah, I, as a married person, I saw a lot of the marriage themes, and especially when um, 
they're kind of their relationships where someone's yelling at somebody you can tell they don't they don't like each other especially between uh some more names i forgot ronnie and veronica exactly <laughs> man where would i be without these guys that's why there's three of us right now <laughs> ronnie and veronica the first time Veronica talks, I'm just like, oh, man, that sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, no, it really but does. I've seen that in real life with so many people, including, like, my grandparents or people I've seen in my life. And I'm like, they're just not happy. And I just never want to get to that point. And it just made me think about what do I have to do to never be in that That's kind really of good. relationship. It's really good. Also, did you just call out your grandparents on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's quickly talk about our cry. Uh, my cry is Pat and Pat Senior just having an affectionate heart to heart. I've said this before, but everybody has a daddy story, and anytime there's real affection between a father and their children, it is it touches my heartstrings. Yeah, mine is just the weight of the relationship of trying to vie for someone else's attention and affection. Mm. It's through, and uh, through heartbreak specifically, it's hard, it's weighty. Uh, it's not easy to do and you can just feel it throughout the movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hopeless romantic as everyone knows. So when he runs after the girl at the end and says, Hey, I know you've been writing these letters that I thought that you, you were presenting as my wife's letters the whole time, and I actually love you, mm. and not my ex-wife. And that's, it was super happy, and they kissed, and it was amazing. <laughs> They're gonna be good forever. <laughs> yeah. Five more years. No issues. We do not wanna, Silver Lines Playbook 2. Hopefully. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's gonna work out, but that moment was good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, by the heart, this is the moment that captured us, and I've just got one because the movie is so good. I think of one specific. It's when it was Sean's laugh. It's when Pat tosses uh, a farewell to arms by Ernest Hemingway out of his window <laughs> and then runs down to his parents and starts yelling at them about how Ernest Hemingway wrote this story to be not happy. And it's so frenetic and hilarious. I, I was just ready to keep watching the movie after that. Yeah. They go on a date in a diner and. Pat orders raisin bran. <laughs> as soon as he did that, I was like, "All right, this this movie is great. The rest of that scene is great for a lot of reasons." Uh, but <laughs> that just really brought me in and really built that relationship between Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, which their acting playing off of each other just made me love the whole movie yeah, the whole time. Really good. Bradley Cooper from the very beginning of this was great because I don't think at this point he had been in a movie where he's not like, he's not the man. Like in every movie he's in, he's like sophisticated, he's smart, he's obviously a good looking guy and, and that's what they try to do with his roles is they make him the good looking guy. He's someone you want to be. Yeah, like they always make him that person in movies and in this movie he's in a mental hospital and he's, he's, his mom's bringing him out and he's all over the place. You can see it in his eyes, he's thinking all over the place and then it gets into the Ernest Hemingway part where he throws the book out the window and you just die laughing and his parents are so annoyed with him ranting at 4am about a book that was written to not be happy <laughs> from there I was gripped Bradley Cooper was too good in this movie yeah well that's Silver Linings Playbook thanks for joining us don't watch it with your kids remember Jesus is Lord he is the rock that quenches 
all of our needs. He's the rock that gave water to the Israelites, and he's the rock that is stable so that you can live in stability. Join us next time as our next two episodes that are coming are Grudge Match and Terminator Salvation. Terminator Salvation, Christian Bale. See you guys next time. Later. See ya.